Now let's look at the second book in the fourth group of prophets, the prophet Zechariah. And he is closely associated with Haggai. And let's read what Benware says. We're in chapter 37. Zechariah was careful to identify himself by his family line in chapter 1-1. He was the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo. And this information matches up with Nehemiah 12, verse 4 and verse 16. It reveals that Iddo was one of the priests that returned from Babylon to Judah. So Zechariah is a priest who is called to the prophetic office. He's a priestly prophet. Ezra 5.1 and 6.14 place Zechariah alongside Haggai with the first group of returned exiles. Zechariah is dated, also dated his ministry carefully, and this would put the messages of Zechariah at the time frame of 520 or maybe to 518 B.C. The purpose of the book Zechariah's prophecies were given to the people who had returned from Babylon. They had already responded to Haggai's message and had resumed the construction, and now Zechariah ministered encouraging them. And we can cross-reference that with Ezra 5, verse 2. The prophet told of God's abundant future blessings on the nation, and this filled the people with courage and hope. Now let's look at the basic outline of the book. You have the introduction in the first six verses, and then... From verse 7 of chapter 1 to verse 6 of cha- or cha- verse 8 of chapter 6. So basically chapters 1 through 6, you have the night visions of Zechariah. And then you have four messages in chapters 7, 1 through 8, 23. And then Zechariah's two burdens, chapter 9 through chapter 14. So you have a short introduction, six verses. The night visions of Zechariah. You have chapter 1 through 6, the four messages, chapter 7 and 8, and the two burdens, 9 through 14. The important data, the key word is the coming Messiah. Key chapter is chapter 14, the advent of the Messiah. And the key verses are chapter 12, verse 10, chapter 14, 1 through 4. Let's look at those. Chapter 12, verse 10. I'll pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look at me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for me as one mourns for an only child and weeps bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. And then chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I'll gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken and the houses plundered and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against the nations as one fights on a day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lie before Jerusalem on the east side. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley so that one half of the mount shall be moved northward, one half southward. So those are the key verses within the book, and you get a picture of the Messiah's advent and the coming destruction in the final great day of the Lord. Now, the meaning of Zechariah 
He, the book is named for the prophet, and Judah is the location. Now, as you're reading uh, there in Zechariah 14, and you're seeing the return to the uh, Mount of Olives, and you're thinking, um, there are two advents of the Lord. They're going to look at the one they pierced. That's the first advent. And then when his feet return to the Mount of Olives, that's the second advent, one that we have not yet seen. And you should make a connection at this point to the book of Ezekiel, when the glory of the Lord departed, and it went off to the east, and it rose up, and then it's returning in the same way. And it seems like then Zechariah is making a prophecy that's very connected with what Ezekiel had said. This would certainly give a hope to the nation that their Messiah, um, they're not understanding everything, but there is a future greatness of restoration that's coming in a fuller way. So while they're building everything, while the nation's getting its feet back under them, then they are expectant. They're encouraged and moved along uh, with the hope, the certain hope of a greater future. So let's give a summary of the book, page 261. He begins his prophecy with a short history lesson and reminds the people of Israel that their forefathers had paid a high price for their sin. They had disobeyed the law. They had rejected the reproof of the prophets and also had suffered in exile. If, the, if Israel wanted to experience the blessing of the Lord, then they needed to turn from their sin and turn to the Lord. By the way, this is the way that anyone comes to Christ. Um, if you want to experience the blessing of the Lord, if any sinner wants to experience the blessing of the Lord, they must turn from their sin and turn to the Lord. We turn away from our old life and turn to our new life in Christ. First major section of Zechariah's prophecy is his night visions, chapter 1, 7 through 6, 8. He received eight of these visions in one night, all of them. Visions contain a great variety of information. They are highly symbolic, and Zechariah needed help from an angel in order to understand them. And so let's talk through those eight visions. In the first, where the prophet sees a man standing among some myrtle trees, Israel's place of subjection under the Gentile nations is in view. So it is a vision of Israel in subjection to the Gentiles nation, Gentile nations. Vision communicates the assurance that God will someday end the domination of Gentiles over Israel. Then there's a second vision with four horns and four craftsmen, and it communicates the same truth found in Daniel 2 and in Daniel 7. Information concerning the basic course of the Gentile powers is in view. The third vision looks ahead to the Messiah and the rebuilt Jerusalem and Israel's becoming a channel of blessing. The fourth vision, Zechariah sees Joshua the high priest in filthy garments standing before the Lord. Joshua represents the nation of Israel in its priestly status. Because Israel was filthy in her sin, the question arises regarding how God can do anything for such a wicked and backslidden people. The answer is given in the vision that Someday, God will step in and give his people clean robes and reestablish them as a priestly nation. And the turban represents that role as a priestly nation. There's a fifth vision of candlesticks and an olive tree, a candlestick and olive trees. The olive trees provide an unending supply of oil to the candlesticks. This symbolizes the divine enablement for service, answering the question of where Israel will get the empowerment for this ministry of the Lord. 
It's interesting to observe the close relationship between this vision and the two witnesses in Revelation 11, verse 4. Now, a sixth vision of a flying scroll represents judgment and the removal of sinners in the kingdom of Messiah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. The woman in the ephah speaks of the removal of corrupt religion in the future, chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. And there's a final night vision, one of the prophet referring where he refers to the Gentile invasions of Israel that will wake the nation. And this first major section ends with Joshua being coronated the high priest, and it pictures the day when the Messiah, the great high priest, the great king priest, will appear and rule. Chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. So Zechariah is highly prophetic, speaking of things that are yet to come, things that are to come close soon in time, both near and far. There's a second major division of Zechariah, and it contains four messages that come out of the questions and events in Zechariah's day. In the first message, Zechariah, he's asked by the fellow Jews if they should continue to fast in the fifth month and and in the seventh month. The fasts were not given in the law to observe, but rather had been in remembrance of their suffering that came about through through the fall of Jerusalem. Zechariah responds, and it's a rather pointed response as he makes clear that they mourned and fasted over these judgments and not over the sin that had caused them. Interesting. Zechariah indicates to the people, you need rather not to be concerned about the judgment as much as what caused the judgment. Be mournful over your sin, not over God's discipline. Be thankful rather for God's discipline, but sad over your sin that caused it. The messages provide, uh, they promise restoration, encouragement, and hope of the Messiah's presence. This is such an encouragement to the people as they are working, remembering what Israel was supposed to be, and it was fueling them towards repentance and living right. The final section of the prophecy has two burdens of Zechariah, chapters 9 through 14. Uh, These are weighty measurements. These two burdens They look at the effect the Gentiles would have on the nation, especially during the day of the Lord. First burden focuses on the first advent of the Messiah, and the second, the second advent. So the first and second coming of Christ. Of course, we've already had the first coming where Jesus suffers as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We are awaiting the day for a second return. The scope of the subject matter makes Zechariah fit the pattern of the major prophets, he speaks of the, day, the times of the Gentiles, then the coming of the day of the Lord, and the coming of Israel's Messiah, and the glorious days of the kingdom. To a people who had returned from captivity recently and felt powerless and vulnerable to their enemies, these were messages of hope. God was not finished with them. They did have a future that was a glorious one. And so there's a sense in which if any of the smaller prophets would fit well beside Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Jeremiah, then this one would be the next one in line to have that big, broad, sweeping message of near fulfillment and far fulfillment, near prophecy and far prophecy, and catching those major issues of the captivity, of the restoration, of the coming Messiah, of the days of the Gentiles, which we're in now, and the coming of the Uh, the, the future coming, the second coming of Christ. And with that, we finish 
Zechariah, and we have one final book in the Old Testament to look at, the book of Malachi, and we'll get to that in the next recording.